Welcome to issue 143 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Tony, and joining me tonight is Daniel. Hello! Welcome back. Thank you, Mike. Hey, Tony. Welcome back. Glad to be here. And Steve. Hi, Tony. Uh, w- welcome back. I guess we have to all say it. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I hope you feel triply welcome. I do. So, listeners, it's Tony Fanchi is back to talk with us, uh, this time on a full interrogation room issue. So... Let's get right to it. Tony, uh, what you say you do here? Who are you? <laughs> why, why do the people want to know about you? Well, they probably don't, but in case they do, <laughs> I'm a senior game designer with Fantasy Flight Games, and I'm currently working on the Marvel Champions line. Okay, yeah, our listeners should be very interested then. Well, that seems appropriate that he'd be here, Steve. It does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I heard it a word. I heard senior. Ooh, senior. I, I heard senior. That implies that uh, you've been at FFG for longer than just Marvel. Or that he's 55 yeah. or older, Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm getting the senior discounts now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been with Fantasy Flight since 2016. Um, up until this point, I've been primarily a board game designer. Uh, I got my start doing Star Wars Imperial Assault. I designed a scenario for Mansions of Madness. I did a uh, an expansion for Civilization A New Dawn. I worked with Corey Konitska on Star Wars Outer Rim and its expansion. And I designed Unfathomable. That's a fun game. I'd like to thank you for all of those. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Tony. I play, I play every one of them, with the exception of Outer Rim. Because I, I just haven't. But I bet I would love it. Because you don't like me? I think it's that. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, those are great games. What? That's a wonderful resume. Yeah, Imperial Salt, Manchester Madness, we played a ton. We bought, recently got Unfathomable. I haven't played the Civilization games. Oh, it's good. Um, Not since Civ 3 board game, which I don't believe FFG did. That game took like 17 hours to play. So... Uh, I never went back to the board games after that, but I'll have to try the FFG one, knowing Tony's worked on it. Yeah, a new dawn is is a quicker one. It takes about a couple of hours. Okay, yeah, great that, game. That, that's a good timing for a board game. Yeah, <laughs> like one game night, not three weeks of gaming. <laughs> that other exactly. one, yeah. Um, so, what prompted you to move over to the card game? Well, uh, it was sometime middle of last year, summer. Uh, when my I was wrapping up work on the Outer Rim expansion, Unfinished Business, uh, when my manager asked if I'd be interested in working on the Marvel Champions line. Uh, they knew at the time that Michael Boggs was planning to move on from the company. Uh, they didn't realize how long it would take him to move on. Uh, unfortunately, he had a lot of uh, visa troubles trying to uh, mm. move to join his wife. Um, 
but uh, so they invited me to to pick up on the line, and and I was super thrilled about that. I've been playtesting this game with Caleb and Mike since uh, since it, it its inception, uh, since the core set. Um, it's a game I really enjoy, um, and so I was thrilled to to have a chance to work on it. And do you consider yourself like a a source material nerd? Like, do you understand I, this stuff? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a big MCU fan. Um, I've seen like all the movies and the shows and everything. I haven't uh, up until joining the line. I hadn't done much comic book reading since I was a teenager okay. in the '90s. Um, back then, my my comics were primarily X Men and Spider Man. Uh, those were my my go to favorites. Um, but, but since I since I joined the line, I've been really enjoying catching up on all the stuff I've missed. Well, from the timing, it sounds like uh, X Men worked out pretty good. That you read some of those as a kid, and and uh, mm -hmm. Mojo, which we'll talk about in a bit, that's uh, an X Man villain for the most mm -hmm. part, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I was certainly familiar with Mojo from the uh, the the '90s cartoons. Yeah. Okay. Um. I think that's uh, that seems to be a, a running motif among the community. '90s X-Men cartoons, so mm -hmm. more so even than like the later movies, I think. So yeah. Uh, so you said you started FFG in 2016. So mm -hmm. does that mean you have a five-year art piece of yourself? I do. Yes, it was actually just uh, just completed earlier this year. Oh, so we haven't seen it yet then. We haven't seen it anywhere. Um, I am hopeful that you will see it in the near, not too distant future. Oh, well, look forward to that. Um, we did, the three of us did have the, the pleasure to actually meet you face to face at Con of the Rings recently. So we do know what you look like. So we will have to scour the art uh, for you as things come out. Sure. So. Yeah, you'll have to buy every <laughs> FFG game and look for that art piece. Yep. That's right. <laughs> You've been with FFG for, let's say, six years. Uh, how did you find yourself in the game-making industry? So I've been designing uh, games of various sorts since I was since I was a kid. My brother and I did a lot of uh, did a lot of card games, collectible card games, back in the '90s. Um, I got out of board gaming for a while in the in the aughts until my wife and I picked it up again. Uh, with with pandemic and Stone Age and games like that, um, and I, I got back into doing design again, uh, just uh, just for fun, just on my own. I applied to FFG a couple of times. Um, actually, got an interview uh, when the position that w ended up going to Maxine Newman was was interviewing, um, and that's when I, I met Caleb. And he invited me, even though I didn't get that job at that time, he invited me to be a playtester with him on the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game, which was one of my favorite games. So I was super excited to be able to join that playtesting team. Um, and then took a, took a number of years after that for a position to come open that uh, I managed to get another interview and just happened to get the job at the time. Yeah, we all like Lord of the Rings. That's a, that's a great game. Yeah, uh, and I guess if you're going to get beat out for a game design job, losing out to Maxine the first time around doesn't seem like the worst <laughs> thing. <laughs> she 
pretty good. So we're, we're, <laughs> glad, we're glad you got it the second time around here. So yeah, I I can't say they took the wrong choice with that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, and now you get to work with her, so that's even better. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So you say you're new to the comics, but now that you've done a lot of reading, do you have a favorite villain? Because you know we're all about the villain here, Tony. So who I who do. is it? I do know that. Um, I always have a tough time picking favorites. Um, there are a lot of certainly very interesting villains out there. Um, I certainly got a uh, greater appreciation for our, our big yellow friend Mojo in researching his scenario. Um, I'm a, a big fan of a lot of the classic uh, X-Men villains like your Magneto's juggernaut omega red those kind of characters anybody mm -hmm. who looked cool was was always someone who stood out to me as a as a teenager you get you got to have the style as a villain to be to right. be memorable yeah i was gonna say when we ask that question nobody ever says the blob or toad <laughs> <laughs> they never come up or that so. that pace pod guy pace pod, pace pod, pod yeah. 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 yeah well I've heard good so. things. So. yeah <laughs> Every time we have a developer on, we just push for a paste pop Pete module. Yeah, so. no one ever says it. You know those modular sets at the the back of the hero packs? What a great place to put paste pop Pete. Mm -hmm. Sure, I I totally agree. <laughs> nice, right, Mike. Two, that was smooth. Two down, one to go. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he was slippery, Tony. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I actually don't know much about X Men at all. Uh, who the heck is Mojo? Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Mojo has his own dimension, the Mojoverse. He's he's kind of an intergalactic warlord, kind of a network TV executive. Uh, he's a he's a big guy who wants all the attention put onto him, and he feeds off of ratings. So basically, <laughs> he wants to he wants to have the best and greatest entertainment that the galaxy, the Mojoverse has ever seen so that he can maintain control over his mindless population who are busy watching, watching their televisions. Wow. So who, who watches this in the universe? Yeah. Like everyone. There, yeah. There's TVs in this universe or are like who? Yeah. It's, I, it has changed depending on the writers. Um, sometimes it's, I think they're people who look like Mojo, so maybe like the same species. Other times it's lots of different species, alien species of different types. So it really depends. He seems to have a very diverse uh, viewership. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, what prompted you to design a Mojo scenario? I mean, yeah, it sounds fun, but uh, what was the thought process for that? I... I think the initial pitch, if I'm remembering correctly, was probably from Caleb. Um, but as soon as I heard the idea, I loved it because I was I was vaguely familiar with Mojo. I knew he had to do with like television, and I love making uh, pop culture references in the games that I make. And so this was like a, a playground for me to have a ball in. Uh, so I was super thrilled to to be able to work on this particular pack. Nice. Last time we had uh, Boggs on to chat about the hood, he mentioned how he wanted a pack that had lots of different modular sets. And that's mm -hmm. how the hood came out. I've noticed yours has the same. Was that a conscious choice or did that just spin out of the theme? I think that was mostly coincidence. Um, so when 
when once the the vision for the product was approved, uh, Boggs and I had conversations about what what should this pack look like, and and one of the things that we decided we really wanted to do was we wanted to lean into the the television like aspect of it. We wanted to capture different genres of television, and the way that made the most sense to do that was with modular sets doing a modular set for each different genre of, of television and other media that you've got. Um, and so that, that is how we ended up with uh, as many modular sets as, as we have in there. I see. Yeah, like um, we spoiled a few cards from the horror modular set, and that looks like mm -hmm. a ton of fun. We've seen in the release or the preview article, you know, there's a fantasy modular set. That looks fun. But I'm really excited for like the crime drama modular set Me, just, yeah the law and order set Me yeah, too. yeah yeah i, I, I i'm just picturing a lot of dun -dun sound effects that we're gonna, like are <laughs> gonna be out there in the community being used so exactly yeah yeah the little police procedural is gonna be great so um but uh, along with those six modular sets you also designed a single card modular set called long shot mm -hmm. uh, where it's just one ally that goes in the encounter deck. Now, typically the encounter deck is for us villains, but this is a hero card that you're sticking in there. Um, where'd this come from? Yeah, it's kind of rude, Tony. It is rude, honest. but yeah, I, I wasn't wanting to say anything. But. <laughs> you know, giving the heroes a fighting chance makes makes the villains' victory so much sweeter, right? So being able okay, to pass okay, yeah. down long shot in addition to Cyclops and Wolverine and Iron Man and Captain America, it makes it just that much better. And so, uh, so the idea with long shot, we, he's very much connected to the Mojoverse. He's basically a television star in the Mojoverse and his power set is he controls luck. And so we, we, we wanted to include him in some way in this pack. And we, obviously didn't have room for a full hero kit or anything like that. Um, so we decided to make him an ally. Uh, but then we had to think about what kind of ally would he be. And it didn't, it didn't seem right for him to just be a card, a basic card that you throw in your deck. It seemed more exciting, more mojo-like if he were a character in the encounter deck who, when you're lucky, when he tweaks luck in your favor, will pop out of the encounter deck and help you out. Okay. Yeah, that does sound good. That, I, I like that. That's that's good theme. So, when Longshot is defeated, it would then go back to the encounter deck discard pile? That is correct. He is an encounter card. He has an encounter card back, so he goes back to the encounter deck. Okay, but he's got a wild icon. He does have the wild icon just for just for future-proofing, any effects in the future that may care about what resource that an ally has on them. Gotcha. So I have a, I have a theme question for you, Tony, and that is Mojo the, Mojo himself. Itself? Himself? What is he? Is he a he? I believe he is a he. Okay, so he has my new favorite trait. Can you talk about that? <laughs> I just read that. The spineless trait, yes. His trait is spineless, and I want to know <laughs> if we're going to be able to like kind of play off that trait in the future. Oh, 
Like sure. we've, all, yeah. we've wanted criminal things and we've wanted, you know, genius things, but if we could get like a spineless encounter deck, that'd be great. Oh, we're going to do a spineless wave. Yeah. All <laughs> spineless characters all the time. Oh crap. I shouldn't have said that. Should I? No, no. Uh, uh, the blob, okay. All yeah. those blob fans, there they are. Yep. There they go. Yep. <laughs> I'm pretty sure blob has a spine, technically. So uh, I'm gonna have to check your uh, research on that one. So tell me, tell me thematically why that would be the single trait this guy has. Not he's not executive. He's not showrunner. He's spineless. <laughs> well, because he's that. known his 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 moniker is the spineless one. And so we wanted to give a little nod to that element of his character. And plus, it's just fun to talk about. God, is it ever. So he's renowned for his cowardice? I think it's literal. But or yes, literal spineless. Spi I think he is somewhat cowardly as well. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. I mean, I really know nothing about this creature. <laughs> yeah, he's his species is... Uh, I don't know that they have a name other than Mojo. I don't know if Mojo is his name or his species, um, but yeah, they apparently do not have spines. Thus, he needs his mechanical suit that he always rides around in. Like those creepy spider legs or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, hey, Daniel, did you notice something on that What's card that? something else? Uh, he forces you to place threat on your hero. What? Yeah. What does that even mean? I don't know. I don't know. If only and we had someone here to ask. And for our listeners, this is, uh, we're recording this long before Mojo's released. <laughs> In case you're wondering. Um, yeah, so so Mojo is looking for the bi next big star, and so he's shining a spotlight on all the heroes and all the allies and trying to make them the star of his show. Uh, and I... I believe we have spoiled somewhere in the article um his main scheme uh yes you know, pump up the crowd and so his main scheme mojo mania has a forced interrupt uh yeah. when a character flips or leaves play move all threat from that character to this scheme oh uh, that'll teach the heroes to go back to alter ego <laughs> like symbolizing a failed star, kind of. Well, yeah. Once, right. once you're, once you leave play, he's he's had his fun with you. He he got what you he needed. Oh my god, that's so good. Twenty five threat per player on that scheme, by the way, is the max. It's a massive one. Yep. Well, yeah, because he's at okay. So on Mojo himself, after your turn ends, discard the top three cards in the counter deck. Place a threat and hero for each card discarded this way. That does not belong to the Mojo encounter set. And we know there's a bunch of encounter sets. So you could be putting a bunch of threat on your hero. Or obviously there's going to be ways to add threat to other characters. Because this is when they leave play. So threat's going to be going on that scheme. It seems like not just from step one of the villain phase. Not just from him scheming. But from all these other effects. So that 25... <sighs> Oh my! The grief you never, moves you could do, right? You never, yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah. Oh yeah, flip your buddy or kill up some, some someone else's ally, and no, you'll threat us out. But my obligation came out. Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an even tougher choice now. It's not just an auto. Yeah. Oh, I get a free flip. Yeah, I like that mechanic. That looks a lot of fun. 
And that Mojo's the second scenario in the three scenarios, or is he? The he's the last three? one. He's the, the last. He's the one. big okay. boss. Okay. So they, it is said there's a sort of like maybe a mini campaign here out of the three. The first episode of this mini campaign. So mm-hmm. we have we have this uh, the Magog, which looks like a battle arena. We have Spiral, which some sort of chase scenario. And then we have Mojo. So these three scenarios, you can play them kind of like in a campaign then back-to-back. They tell one cohesive story. Is, is that the case? They do, yeah. Oh, that will be cool. Yeah, so when once we had settled on the idea of doing three scenarios in, in the pack, we got to thinking, wouldn't it be cool if you could play them if they were a, a one single story and play them in order? Uh, Green Goblin had done a couple of scenarios, and, and as, as I recall, those had kind of a, a, a tied story together. Um, and so we wanted to kind of take that to the next level. Um, probably the, the most challenging part of it was we there was just no room in the pack for any to- any type of campaign cards. Um, oh, okay. And so all of the all of the rewards and all of the penalties you get from for playing through the scenario, or through the campaign, come from your deck or from the encounter deck. So you start with extra threats in exchange for getting an upgrade of your choice to start in play. Uh, Things like that. Okay. So there'll be rules in the campaign guide that tell us, but we're not going to have campaign cards. Okay. Correct. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I just noticed that uh, it says in the article, this is a 78-card scenario pack. That's tight for design space. Especially it if you is, can throw yeah. in a whole bunch of genres. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the scenarios lean pretty heavily on the uh, on the modular sets, um, and even so, they are on the slimmer side from Encounter decks. That just means all the fun cards will come up more often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we got the, it, the scenario packs are neat because we got Wrecking Crew, which was like four villains all at once. Then we got. Two scenarios in Greek Goblin with a, just a ton of modular sets. We got Kang, which had like all the throw you, you know, split the group up kind of stuff, which was really different. And a T Rex. Um, and a T Rex, a time traveling T Rex. And uh, and then the Hood had this whole like, which modular sets have you never used with each other? And here's a whole bunch more. So that's cool. And then this is three scenarios. So I love that you guys are able to every scenario pack give us something different. You know, just so so that's really cool. That is our aim. So you said you say your that it was your aim in this one to you know give you something different. Um, I'm guessing now that this scenario pack is over with, you probably working on campaign boxes or other you know other Marvel stuff. Um, do you have a an approach that you use like for designing the big boxes or even this pack or deciding what to do next? for the scenarios or heroes, that sort of thing? So in terms of picking like the heroes and the villains that we want to include, um, that is a, that is always a team discussion. Uh, Caleb and I and Boggs, when he was still with the company would talk about who do we want to see next? Who do we feel like is a good fit uh, for the, for the follow-up to the current waves uh, that we've already released or that we have finished. Um, Caleb has a big spreadsheet of 
he's planned out years in advance what he would like to do and then uh so we we would go through his his line plan and talk about uh maybe re uh reassess whether the the characters that he had had slated for the next wave whether they are still a good fit or whether we might want to swap somebody else in because maybe they have a show coming up or they're going to appear in a movie or whatnot or or we just have this great idea for a design for this one specific character and they they would make a good fit for this wave um and so it's a really it's a really uh, collaborative process in determining who what characters we're going to put into the next wave I gotta say, I'm a little surprised to hear that Caleb planned anything past Magneto. I thought he was gonna like <laughs> mic drop and walk out. Yeah, he loves his Magneto, and and that's that's quite a quite an quite a feat of a scenario. So, but uh, yeah, Caleb Caleb is always thinking two steps ahead. So, so we know you're um, you guys are always working way ahead. You said you must have started Mojo well a, a while ago uh, when Boggs was still there. It sounds like mm-hmm. um, when and Mojo's got all these neat uh, settings and scenarios and this neat campaign. Do you have some sort of uh, trick or methodology you like to use when like introducing new keywords or new mechanics? Um, like, how, where do you get your creative juices from for this kind of stuff? Uh, that's a good question. Um, generally, I I approach it from a theme first perspective and. I, I try to boil a villain or a hero down to what I think is the core thing that makes this character really cool. And then what is the best way that I can portray that in in the game? Um, this is easier for some characters than others. Um, there are a number of heroes who have very similar skill sets. Uh, and so it's it's challenging to do one of those characters when somebody with a similar skill set was done before, try to come up with a new twist on them. Um, so there certainly is uh, a consideration of what the mechanics are, uh, how they've been done before, and how we can make it feel fresh and new. We always We always want a new hero to feel new. We always want a new scenario to feel unique. Uh, and and to give players a reason to use that hero or play that scenario. Hearing that you uh, go for theme first is that's great. Uh, I think that's you know why a lot of people play the game is for the theme, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to feel like I'm well while I'm playing. I, I want to be able to feel like I'm playing the hero, even though ugh, heroes. Um, but. I, I, I yeah, I want that villain to feel the right way, and and you guys do a pretty good job of always making that feel right. Um, there's a you, you came into Marvel Champions later in its life cycle. I guess you said you'd been playtesting, but do you find it daunting or difficult looking back at everything that Caleb and Boggs had done, and now you have to come in and do, do you ever be like, oh, I have this great idea. Oh no, they did it already. Has that been an issue coming in partway through the line? Uh, certainly, yeah. Those guys have done a fantastic job with this game. They set a really high bar for for what players expect out of Marvel Champions, and so yeah, it there there is some some element of ooh, how can I how can I match up to to the designs that these guys have put out, um, and and certainly there have been 
some instances where I've had ideas that, while not the same as a, a previous scenario or hero, or maybe they will spot spot some way, some angle that it feels a little a little too similar, and then how can we give that a new spin? How can we make it feel unique enough that it feels deserving of its own design? Yeah, so far you guys have, uh, like all the armored heroes, right? It's a guy in a suit. How many times mm-hmm. can you do that? But yeah, they all feel <laughs> they all feel pretty different at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are yeah. That's a that's a great example of taking that that those similar concepts, but finding a, a different way to to implement them into the game. Well, I think you should know. Going back to the whole theme bit, uh, when this article was released, uh, the big discussion on the forums was how do we get a T Rex with a flamethrower in Mojo's arena? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that's a good sign. Yeah, there's nothing more Marvel than T Rexes with flamethrowers. <laughs> uh, um, so well, okay. So we have T Rexes with flamethrowers, and we have a bunch of these spineless guys. Let's say you don't have any limit; you're not limited by Marvel. Do you have like a villain that you would enjoy playing in this game that you think you know outside the Marvel universe that could be fun? Uh, hmm. That's a good question. There's there are a lot of a lot of cool villains across lots of different IPs, um, but I think a character who would make for a, a fascinating design subject would be Darth Vader. Okay. He has he has a very wide skill set that I think would be well suited to the Marvel Champions gameplay. Yeah, I could see that. He'd be fun to play up against. All right. Right now on the spot, Tony, make his villain one card. Go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hmm. We need everything. We need traits. We need scheme and attack. Go. Clearly, Daniel, he'd be spineless. Uh, <laughs> yes, obviously. But that's why he's or, got the suit, right? Because he doesn't have limbless. his spine anymore. Yeah, limbless. He doesn't have arms or legs, right? There yeah, you go. There yeah. we go. <laughs> Poor guy. Don't put him on the spot, Daniel. That's mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to put him on the spot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, you villain. Okay. This is my usual question. That I like asking, but I'm going to put a spin on this one, and uh, this is so that I can be devious to uh, to the other villains listening out there. So, without giving us any reasons or any spoilers. What are you most excited for us to open and look at for the first time? Now, here's the hitch. It can't be something you've worked on. Something from FFG that you're really excited for us to open for the first time. And you can be as cagey as you want. Mm. You like the thing this person's working on. Or wait till next... Whatever. Whatever you want. I will say that I, I, think, I think we have spoiled this title. I am really excited for the Marvel Dagger game. You have spoiled that title at F- at uh, at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, the head of studio just gave us the name of it or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're you're excited for us to play that, okay? So Marvel Dagger. I know nothing about that. Is that a board game, card game? We don't know. Oh, just the name. We, that's all we just know. the name. Okay. Yeah. Marvel Dagger. We were told nothing else, and I think I I, I want. I can't remember, but I feel like it was like D.A.G, right? Like it's in an acronym like shield or sword. It has to be. Yes. 
It it is. I forget what it stands for, but I I think Marvel Champions fans will be super into this game. I I have played it and it is awesome. Okay. And you did not work on it. Okay. I did not. That was that was the stipulation. My super excited. Want me to brag about myself? So I'm I'm bragging about Dane Beltrami. Well, I know it's going to happen. You're going to talk about the next Marvel Marvel Champions thing you're releasing. You're like, yeah, okay, okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, Mike. I know how this works. Nobody wants to hear about Marvel Champions on this podcast. <laughs> no. Okay, DAGGER stands for Defense Alliance for Global and Galactic Emergency Response. Wow. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Defense Alliance for Global and Galactic. Okay, so it's some sort of space thing, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I look um, forward to hearing more about what that is when that comes out further. So, you should. Tony, do you have a favorite villain and mod combination that you enjoy playing? A favorite villain and mod combination. Like you get a chance to play and mix mm-hmm. things up and not not play the standard, you know, suggested stuff. I think that's what Mike's asking. He's going mm-hmm. through his internal catalog being like, "Can't talk about that. Can't talk about that." <laughs> oh. Yeah, um I so one of the big inspirations for the show environments in Mojo were the setting environments uh, encounter set in the hood, um, and so that that is encounters an encounter set. I love throwing in just any scenario because it really really throws a wrench in any scenario you play it in. Yeah, the the back alley, the uh, sewers, secret layer, those ones. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you just put that in every villain you you play against. Yeah. Oh my. It's like you, Daniel. It's it's you know the plus one encounter set or modular set. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're talking favorites here or um and sets. How about a nemesis set? Is there a nemesis set in the game that you just really enjoy? You think it's either hitting on theme or mechanics or super evil? I think you can't go wrong with Loki. If you're uh, if you're a fan of the villains, because man, is that set a pain in the butt for the heroes? Yeah, yes, it is. Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> he just never dies, and then there's some yep. frost giants too. Yeah. Yep. All right. Is there a particular hero that you like to see getting thrashed by the villains? Stay during playtesting for Mojo. Hmm. Particular hero that I like seeing thrashed. Um, I I like seeing Hawkeye get get punched in the face. Oh, booyah! <laughs> good, that's good. All right, that was that the one. second right answer. <laughs> <laughs> in this particular crowd, anyhow. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, well, let's stay on some of these these silly ones. Uh, out there in the universe, either either in the game or in the comics, um. Is there a villain in the Marvel, you know, game that you just think is so cool that you like you personally would be willing to like just totally get into a battle with, even though you're going to lose? Uh, a villain that's in the game. Yeah, a game or comics, that's fine. Mm. Yeah, I can movies, whatever. You know, a Marvel villain that's just so cool. It's okay if you know you do battle with them and and they kick your butt. I'm trying to think of somebody who won't injure me too badly. <laughs> so you want like a nemesis or a villain rather that's gonna kind of like browbeat you 
Yeah, somebody who rather somebody than like beat you, beat you, beat you, murderate me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nobody's coming to mind. Well, we gotta have some evil geniuses out there, don't we, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Those villains who just sort of like have a three scheme and not much claw, for example, right? He's not a fighter. Well, he's got that double boost, which is which is nasty. He's gonna. I suppose he could just incapacitate me with his his sonic arm gun. Oh yeah, yeah, that could do it. Yeah, that won't leave too many marks. Or I can at least pretend like I'm incapacitated, and then he goes on and does his thing while I just lay on the ground. <laughs> All right. So we've a- we've asked a lot of people this one, uh, Tony. Your your job. You probably have a lot of things you have to do, and some of it is maybe not your favorite kind of work. So, which part of your job would you most like to have your evil minions do for you? Probably, I would say updating my prototypes, cutting cutting cards out, printing them all, making sure everything is up to date. I could really use a minion to do that kind of grunt work for me. <laughs> you are not the first person to say that. Not, not even at all. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in fact, I think it was Maxine who said it last time. So. Yeah. Mm, yeah, good company. Yeah, it's the arts and crafts. You didn't know there'd be so much arts and crafts when you were game designing, right? So Yeah. It's I mean, it's not the worst thing, but these days now that everybody's working from home, I actually have to go into the office where the printer is and that uh, that by itself makes it an, an undesirable task. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Um uh, speaking of the office, who in the office is the uh would you say is the best villain? Uh, mm, office villain. Office I villain. Think, I think I'm gonna have to pick James Niffin, who is a, a game designer. Everybody knows that James is an emotionless automaton bent on world domination. <laughs> 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 what games has he made, Tony? Uh, James designed, uh, he's designed a lot of stuff. He's been around for a long time. Most recently he did Twilight Inscription, which just released. Uh, he also designed the base game for Civilization A New Dawn, which I was lucky enough to work on the expansion for. James, that's a new name. We haven't heard that one. That is a new name. Yeah, he's, he's been, he's been at FFG a long time. I was gonna say, it turns out there's a lot of villains in that office. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's got a different answer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who is the pesky hero in the office? Well, the the hero obviously has to be Molly because she does everything. She she's always always getting in the way with being so super helpful and making sure that everybody's <laughs> doing well and has everything they need. It's it's really just nobody can stand it. Sounds insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I. I... I don't know if that was uh, the villain's point of view that she's the hero or the hero's point of view that she's the hero. (laughs) That was a great answer. I love that. All right. So let's keep going. I got one more, one more of these. So who, who there in the office could be you. It might not be. Uh, Who do you think is most likely to assemble the infinity gauntlet for ill purposes? I think there's only one correct answer here. And that is, Zach Tualtimus, our local <laughs> UA guy. Oh, okay. So you guys have talked to Zach. Yes. Yep, we have. He he's quite a character. So he's he's great. I love him. But 
he when you play games with him and i i think he would treat the gauntlet as a game he's always got some crazy harebrained scheme that he wants to try even though it doesn't work out for him 99% of the time he's the person who's going to take the gauntlet and think hmm what crazy bonkers thing can i do with this supreme power in the universe <laughs> nice nice uh so he's gonna he's gonna use the Infinity Gauntlet for some sort of side hustle, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I like that. That makes that work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I got one more. Um, how, how often do people uh, jokingly refer to you as Tony Fauci? Uh, since the pandemic struck, quite a bit, quite a bit. Yeah. So it's gotten that old. Is, that is a common. That is a common. Uh, mis misstatement uh, when people are talking about me. Uh, probably my favorite uh, YouTube comment I saw was on one of the um, one of our live streams where somebody said that it's great that Dr. Fauci had time to design games in in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> you don't even know if that's a real comment or not. <laughs> so Let's assume it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Love it. So circling back to the fact that you've come in a little later on the on the product line um is there a concern or do you have to think about power creep in the game um having not designed like avengers but now in on like the, this x-men wave or mutant whatever we're doing now uh, is that a concern or how do you how do you look at power creep uh, from a design point of view yeah, certainly, certainly it is a concern. Um, it's it's a concern for any game that's that's long running and intended to be something that's got a long tail on it. Um, I I have tried to do my due diligence in in playing uh, as much as I can of all the the previous content, trying to come up with the best decks I can going on to uh, Marvel CDB and seeing what, what decks are popular there. Um, Caleb and, and Boggs are, are, and we're great, uh, great people to talk about in terms of determining power levels on various cards. Uh, our play testers certainly do an, an awesome job on taking cards and trying to abuse them as much as possible. Um, obviously things are always going to come through, going to slip through the cracks. Um, I, that's, I think that's just inevitable. Um, uh, it's always something we try to avoid. Um, but, and, and there always are, there are often disagreements about what is better versus what is worse. It's, there are so many cards that are comparing apples to oranges that it's impossible to say which one is better because mm -hmm. there may be times where this one is better there may be decks where this one is better and so there are, there are so many variables that we just do the best that we can we have our testers do the best that they can and if something becomes a problem there are always solutions that we can uh, resort to after the fact but given that this is a, a cooperative game uh, we we don't rely on it, but players always have the choice of saying this feels too too strong to me, or this isn't just not fun to play, so I'm not going to play with it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Tony. If like the fact that it's co-op makes this whole 
this part of the discussion a little, I mean, like, that's just a less fraught thing as a designer, I imagine, right? Like, you can you can maybe stretch the boundaries a little bit more than you might in, like, a competitive card game, I'm guessing, sure. right? Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yeah, and we we would rather have cards that are exciting and pushing boundaries and risk having something be a little bit over the curve than to put out a product that is less than enthusiastic less than enthusiastically received sure and there's enough heroes and enough cards now where you can just you can pass on the doctor strangers of the world if you want for a while or put them up against ronin or venom goblin <laughs> yeah right so yeah the, the game is is old enough now that you can some of the early complaints about power creep or lack of power um have sort of regulated themselves somewhat over time it's it's always a working process yeah yeah the thing i like is you have all sorts of people playing this game and i don't i don't want to feel like uh when i'm playing i don't want to feel like a hero that has no chance if i want to feel like that i'm gonna play arkham horror right <laughs> like <laughs> Um, yep. Or Lord of the Rings towards the end of it, right? It's very diff- Those are difficult games. You don't feel empowered. You you don't feel like a superhero. I don't mind taking out Doctor Strange and just wrecking somebody once in a while, right? Um, <laughs> Sometimes you need to do it. Yeah, it's bad for the show. Okay, I, I understand that. But, you know, I, I'm uh, off to the <laughs> side here. I like that. And I like the ability um, to have... A, a great combo or a really powerful effect and have that out there and be able to play with it. Maybe I'm playing the Quicksilver one turn kill deck and I'm going to play it three, four, five times. And then I'm done with that. And I want to build something else, but I have the option to come around to it. But if those cards don't exist, then I, I can't choose to not play them if yeah, they're not there. Yeah. Right. Like, is that making sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and the Steve, great, the, oh, go ahead, Tony. I was just going to say the great thing about this game is there are so many gears, so many things, switches you can pull and flip in order to make the game the difficulty level that you want it to be. Oh yeah, definitely. And then the design structure of the game too is is such that it kind of matches the theme of superhero stories. That it's hard at first and it seems overwhelming, and then. You get your ducks in a row, and it's not so much anymore, and that feels superhero-y too. Yeah, that's that's. Like we always goal. talk about like the first act of the game. It's like, oh, like I don't think we're gonna make it, you know. And I think that's a really beautiful part of this game. Yeah, yeah. We always want to make scenarios that that have a good arc where it feels tough, challenging, maybe even impossible at the start, but you fight, you battle, and eventually you turn that corner. And that that last hero phase where you're doing 40 damage to the villain to even though it's 20 more than you needed, that just feels great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, When uh, when you're making the villain scenarios, you kind of have that opposite, right? You you have that working on a sweet spot to try to create a base level so that you can make it easier or make it harder. Is that you take that into consideration in this? this power creep conversation like is there a a spot you're trying to hit so that you know people can pull those levers yeah i think for me at least uh i always try to aim for around about the same difficulty and i 
there aren't any numbers. There's not any exact science or math to it. It's it's more of a feeling. Um, and so because of that, I like to take existing heroes against new scenarios and new heroes against existing scenarios so I can get a benchmark for how strong something feels. You always, when you're doing something scientifically, you always want to limit the number of variables you have. And so making sure you're taking that new thing against a known quantity helps you uh, get a more accurate gauge of how powerful or how difficult that new hero or scenario is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, How does this deck handle Rhino Expert 2 with the Infinity Gauntlet and the Power Stone? That kind of stuff. (laughs) 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 turns out it's pretty hard Uh, (laughs) i was gonna say it's still uh it's still weighing on you is it it is yeah i love it (laughs) and that's rhino right first guy first 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 uh scenario well before we wrap it up uh tony is there anything else you wanted to mention shout outs uh nope nope i just wanted to thank you guys for having me on the show it's been a lot of fun talking to you and i am super excited for everyone to get their hands on mojo see mike oh. i still got i still got a plug in for my my own design there you go yeah. <laughs> uh, tony i am so excited to play this and to keep playing it and throw it into all sorts of you know weird places with those modular sets welcome to to marvel champions can't wait to see what you do beyond this as well thanks for coming thank on i like that thank yeah you. thank you so much this is a blast yeah, I want to say thank you as well for coming on. Um, you were probably the easiest person at FFG to schedule, too. That was wonderful. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, we'd love to have you. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Grab that from the show. Okay, I'll, I'll cut that out. Uh, nice. um, I can't wait to see what else after Mojo that will have your name on it. Um, Heroes, villains, campaigns where we maybe get campaign cards, things like that. So I'm really excited uh, to play those those after some mojo. So anytime you want to come back on the show, you are more than welcome to. I would love that. Thank you, guys. All right, Mike. If the people want to get a hold of us, how are they going to do it? Well, yeah, we want them to get a hold of us because we want them to send us their spineless decks. And all their fan <laughs> ideas for new modular sets for Mojo's Mojoverse, you can send them to criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook, and you can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Fun Loaf, and Wandering Tuke. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Mojo, take us out. You dare stay silent and addressed by Mojo? Come on! Have all these men melted into paste and slathered on my hind quarters? (laughs) (laughs) Was that our best quote ever at the end? It's really good. It's a great quote. You don't hear slathered on my hind quarters every day. (laughs) Uh, No, you don't. Maybe and that's it doesn't, good. Yeah, it doesn't sound the same like when Red Skull says it, when Mojo does, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like it went a little German at the end there. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell.